The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. Now listen to this. South Africa is making huge advances in the flight fight against the HIV AIDS epidemic. And that's according to UNAIDS, which launched its global AIDS update report in Eshowe, KwaZulu-Natal, on Tuesday. Quote, South Africa, for example, has made huge advances and has successfully reduced new HIV infections by more than 40% and AIDS-related deaths by around 40% since 2010, close quote. And again, I want to say this is according to UNAIDS, but the global body warned that there was still a long way to go in Eastern and Southern Africa, the region most affected by HIV. And joining us now is Gunilla Carlson. Gunilla Carlson is UNAIDS Executive Director. Good evening to you and thank Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening, and thanks for having me. Please pardon me for mispronouncing your name. I do beg no, your pardon. No, it was correct. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, first and foremost, uh, is this a good thing? Uh, I ask this in the context of South Africa having done so poorly in the management of HIV virus, and then now we're seeing those reports that I'm saying ever since 2010. When did things change, and how did things change as far as our handling of the HIV virus in South Africa? Well, I think there are many factors, and uh, what we have seen is the need for political leadership. Uh, President Ramaphosa had this part of his State of the Nation address to say that this was prioritized, and we also know that the Minister of Health is putting a lot of emphasis on HIV-AIDS, because it is such a huge burden still on the South African society. Uh, But since 2010 and onwards, there has been, you know, progress, uh, but actually not at the scale that the epidemic deserves, because still South Africa is is the nation in the world that hosts about 20% of those people in the world living with HIV, uh, and that is, of course, now a challenge. And for me, it was very inspiring to, to come to KwaZulu-Natal and, and to follow the work done by civil society, because this is not really something that governments can do themselves. It's the first line of response. It's really with those people affected by and living in the communities that can make a difference. And I saw that in Ishoe. So you came to Ishoe, Guadalajara, to launch the Global AIDS Update Report. Why Ishoe particularly? So because this year, UNAIDS in its yearly report really wanted to show that Unfortunately, we have a mixed picture. There are some parts in the world that are doing better. And as you said, Eastern and Southern Africa are doing better than, for example, uh, Eastern Europe and Central Asia, because in in the southern part of the world, we see actually that there is a decline. 
uh, in, in uh, new infections, but not at the same pace that we do need. Uh, and where we can really achieve good progress, it is when the communities are engaged, when the civil society organizations can be part of not only helping people to get tested and stay on treatment, but equally also to make sure that we work against stigma and discrimination, because still there is a lot of prejudice around HIV AIDS, and and that has to be stamped out. And I think that starts with a community-led response. I'm curious, um, in, in your press release, you speak of impressive advances in some countries, and I'm assuming South Africa is one of those leading countries, and then you're saying troubling failures in others. What are those troubling failures, and what countries are you referring to there? So, well, of course, it's not appropriate for me to single out specific countries, but where there is denial, where you don't recognize that key populations, that is uh, men having sex with men, uh, sex workers, people living in prisons, or people who inject drugs and LGBTI persons and their partners, when their rights and their access to services and health are not accepted and respected, the HIV epidemic really grows very, very big. And we have parts in, in, in Europe, like, for example, Russia, where there is now a, a high raise in death figures, not at least TB, that is a co-infection with HIV, AIDS, uh, where, where we see alarming figures, where the knowledge that we do have about finding opportunities to have an AIDS-free generation is not really followed the way it should Please explain, um, when you say the rights of those communities you have highlighted uh, of men sleeping with men and, and, and sex workers, when their rights are not respected, this increases this problem. How? Draw a straight line uh, between uh, that statement and the practicality on the ground. How would that increase uh, their vulnerability if their rights are not respected? So, if if there is kind of, you know, just when you go to say that you feel a little bit unhealthy and you would like to understand why, and if you then are discriminated against because perhaps the majority doesn't agree the way you are having your sexuality, for example, uh, and, and, and your, your choices of partners, if that is questioned, if you are perhaps harassed and then you are not perhaps even, you, you might be denied treatment, then this is a way to make sure that the HIV epidemic risks to spread because when people can't access treatment okay. and have opportunity to have uh, lower viral loads in their blood, yeah. there is a high risk that they continue to spread the virus. And that's what we see in parts of the world where these, what we call key populations, are driving the epidemic. In South Africa, it is a little bit different because there you have so huge epidemic already and the highest threat in South Africa as I see it is actually now young people not having access to enough knowledge and not access to having the opportunity to protect themselves. Yeah. And also, you were quoted to have said, and I quote, we urgently need increased political leadership to end AIDS. What does politics have to do with HIV or the ending of AIDS? A lot, because in some parts of the world, we have laws that discriminate and that criminalize some behaviors and also denies access to, to services. 
but equally also to work for more of inclusive societies and not have inequalities and, and for example, gender-based violence or where women and girls' rights are not respected, when they are not heard uh, and where their specific needs are not met, then also the virus risk to spread uh, among the generation, but equally also that some men get tested too late uh, and they then infect more and more uh, and that's why also we see now more men dying of AIDS-related death uh, still uh, because they go and test themselves too late and they are not going into treatment. Uh, and that is something where we need the political leadership among having not only access to health, but equally also talk about get tested. Know that you can, if you have the treatment, you can live long and he- healthy lives and you can be part of the societal development. And that's why I was really pleased to be not only with three, four thousand people from the community in Shoe and to show the power of communities, but equally also to hear uh, from the political leadership of South Africa that this is a priority. This is very important for the health of the nation uh, and to address also inequalities, stigma and discrimination still. All right. I want us now to go into some numbers and perhaps uh, to shock us to reality or um, well, brush us to uh, slumber. Uh, do you find that uh, the global HIV trend is increasing infections or decreasing infections globally now? I would say it is a very mixed picture. And my biggest worry, I must say, uh, ahead of the 2030 goals where we have said that AIDS can be eliminated as a global health threat, uh, we see that the, the awareness and the interest of doing something about this now, because we can accelerate and then we can reach the goals, that both uh, international donors seems to have less interest in investing in a global response and also that the knowledge and the, the en- energy in the fight against uh, HIV-AIDS is a little bit getting lost. We talk about complacency here, and I think there is no time for that because we know what works, uh, and we should step up and do more because we owe that uh, to the future uh, and also make sure that, that, that we can have better development. So I would say complacency and lack of interest is the biggest threat, <laughs> And then, of course, to have more people to, to be aware and to understand that AIDS is not over. You, you said something, and I'd like to follow up on it, and I want to read this also from your, uh, your release. You suggested, and you reiterated this point right now in our conversation. You said in 2018, key populations, including people who inject drugs, gay men, and other men who have sex with men, transgender people, sex workers, and prisoners, accounted for around 95%. 95% of new HIV infections in Eastern Europe and Central Asia and in the Middle East and North Africa. My curiosity is, does that not mean that perhaps there may be uh, a problem with men? And is there anything that any of these countries are doing to fight these increases? If we're talking about 95% of new HIV infections, new infections. That's a staggering amount of people. Is there anything being done to curb this? Yes, 
and no, not enough are being done because if you neglect these populations and think that they don't exist, they will continue to spread the virus. And in these parts of the world that you said, there is perhaps a denial uh, from political leadership but also from the society. And that means that we see that HIV risk to really take, take hold and to grow. And that's why we advocate now to see that if you, if you exclude these populations from the society at large, you will have these effects. Uh, and in other parts of the world, like in, in South Africa, the epidemic is perhaps even bigger in numbers, uh, but what drives the, the infection, uh, the, the uh, epidemic there is actually uh, that more young people now are being infected and not at least young women and girls. Uh, and that is something that also needs to be very clearly spelled out, but different challenges in different parts of the world. And that means that the local leadership and the national engagement needs to be very strong. And our role at UNAIDS is really to tell about these things and ask for action on all our behalf. All right, final question, I'll let you go. Um, um, your report suggests that around 1.7 million people became newly infected with HIV in 2018, a 16% decline since 2018. Can you confirm this? Yeah, so there is, exactly, there is a decline uh, since, you know, since 2010, but still, still 1.7 million new people every year that needs to be tested, needs to come to treatment and stay on treatment and to have access to care. That is a lot of people. Uh, and that's why the prevention work, the awareness must be uh, higher on the agenda because that's cost-effective interventions and they are also in line with having more inclusive societies. So the, what we need to do now, we can celebrate that we have so many people on treatment and much more of understanding and knowledge about what works but at the same time the rate of new infections is to me alarming because this means that still too many are acquiring this and and that could be preventable all right we're going to end our conversation on that note gunilla carlson thank you very much for coming through and talking to us we really appreciate you making our making time for us thank you so much my pleasure gunilla carlson is UNAIDS executive director